Hi there, welcome back to The Drop, the Amen Breaks podcast, hosted by myself, Aaron. This week, I am speaking to longtime friend and local DJ in the London area, DJ Maiko. You may have seen him knocking around the streets of London, blazing out tunes. If you haven't, make sure you keep an eye out for him. So, let's get into it. The Drop. Uh, so, awesome to have you here to chat with me on... Uh, podcast today. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, this is my very good friend that I have known for 20 so twenty or so years now, um, otherwise known as the DJ Maiko. You may have seen him on uh, our Instagram channel. He's also part of the Amen Breaks team. And um, if, you're, if you're lucky enough, you will have seen him in various places around London. Uh, uh, rolling some tunes out, just generally, um, you know, sharing the love and doing his very best to promote all things Amen Breaks. So welcome and thank you for uh, coming on the show well, with me today. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> so um, today we're all we're going to be talking about, um, you know, like the the illegal rave scene. Um, I know we've sort of spoken about it briefly before, you know, articles written on the website and stuff like that. And there's been a few documentaries and things like that. But I just don't think that they really sort of do it justice in relation to what's actually happening and how that is affecting not only like the world of, you know, jungle, drum and bass and other, you know, electronic music, but also in the current um, situation for, you know, public health and what that means going forwards, you know. Well, yeah, because that's the kind of a problem, because the whole point of a rave is that you're not allowed to have it. But mm. I think that given the fact, this isn't just like, oh, we haven't got a liquor license. You know, this is a much, much, much bigger deal. I mean, I, I you know, full well, but when we were growing up, you know, <laughs> pretty much every weekend in some field or quarry somewhere, there'd be a party. Yeah. But, you know, that was then, this is now. Yeah, yeah I know. But, <laughs> Basically, do as I say, not what I do. <laughs> well, is, isn't that what the Tories are doing? Well, yeah, true, actually, yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if our international listeners know, but uh, a very senior government advisor basically was caught taking a very, very long drive with his family. And when he was questioned about it, he said that he needed to check his eyesight was still whether he needed new glasses. And people were like, Oh, so you checked your eyesight by piling your wife and children into a two-ton machine that's capable of going 60 miles an hour. And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely what I did. <laughs> so that's the thing. All these people holding raves, they could very easily claim they need to check that their hearing still works. Yeah. I that's mean, the problem here, the fish rots from the head, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like the, and there's something else like about raves and things like that. It's like people have been finding interesting ways of sort of skirting the law right because it's all about mm. um you know now that you're allowed to have a certain amount of family members around or you know people from the same house or two different households and things like that there's nothing technically stopping people from having what could be considered in the eyes of the law an illegal rave in their back garden oh yeah yeah we've had little parties in our back garden <laughs> but you know we're not like rolling off of our tits, sharing water and chewing gum with people that we've never met before, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, obviously <laughs> there, there's a big difference between but, that. I mean, you you must have heard about the one that they had in Manchester or the two that they had in Manchester a few uh, weeks ago. You know, like yeah, 6,000 <laughs> people. And, and I don't know if you saw the pictures of it, but that setup did not look like it could accommodate 6,000 people. No, I know, especially not like distanced. I mean, and also, as well, you have to remember that, uh, that over the lockdown, there's been a lot of roadman shit on hold. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of beef has been put to one side temporarily, and then suddenly everyone's out again. Uh, and yeah, there's I think there's been a lot of like because I heard there were a couple of stabbings at the, this thing in Manchester, yeah. so I suspect it's kids coming along trying to sell stuff. Yeah, <laughs> just. That's the it's very frustrating being one of the older heads in the scene, you know? Yeah, I know. I completely understand, you know, like, and this is the thing. Like, I talk, um, I talk with Diligent Fingers on the, on the podcast quite a lot, you know, and he's, uh, mm. you know, he's been in the scene for a very long time and making music and, you know, he's been there, seen it, done it. Um, but even then, you know, you talk about, you know, back in the day and, 
you know, the original sort of free party scene was, was just that. It was like a free party. But then it sort of became politicised as it grew, um, you know, grew in size and, and popularity. So all of us... Well, yeah. And, and look, we've seen, we've seen police infiltration tactics all over the news. And it's mm. something that the police have always done. And it's something that they'll continue to do. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean who can forget in the late 80s when the, you know, the, the rave thing was very, very niche. And then all of our tabloid newspapers like The Sun were like, hey, there's some ultra cool kids taking crazy new drugs and having wild parties and sex. <laughs> so I like, said, so don't go to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, totally, man. Um, and then it's, you know, uh, and then all these, you know, police are like, hey, wait, you can't be doing that. That's not allowed. Um, so Well, the first thing. If, it, if there's one thing about the British public, it's that we love our fume in the morning, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're quite happy to sit at home and be outraged, but not necessarily go out and do anything about it. Um, but, well, yeah, exactly. You know, but, you know, again, with these, uh, you know, legal raves and stuff like that, I mean, again, you've got to sort of... This is something that I've talked to, to Dilly about quite a bit, right? And it's skirting... Hmm. Like what people don't seem to really realize now is is that drum and bass and jungle music has been around for thirty plus years now, you know. Well, yes, yeah, so we can afford to take a summer off. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, true, <laughs> but also like it's an established genre. Like it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Jungle and drum and bass is not going to die. Well, like like the death that disco well, yeah, died. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It's not like if we all stop dancing, the community centre will be shut down or whatever the fuck. You know? Yeah. And <laughs> this, this isn't the plot of the right dance. Yeah. And, you know, and that rebelliousness side of it. And again, it's like those things. Do you remember when, like, you know, Facebook parties first started happening where someone would post in a group or like post on Facebook yeah. that like, oh, someone was having a house party. And then like there was a story in the news where like, 3,000 people turned up to someone's house. Oh, yeah, that was glad. I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, he was actually pretty proud of himself, I remember. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's like... the These these raves will just so quickly get out of hand because of um, well, the yeah. fact that so many people have been cooped up. And, you know, in the, in the UK, unlike other parts of the world, like, lockdown hasn't really been lockdown. You know, it's not like in, not in really, France no. or Spain or Italy where lockdown means lockdown. You know, you are not going outside. Um, you know, the police are patrolling the streets, telling people to go back in, um, you know, and, and actually dishing out heavy fines. In the UK, they've been saying, oh, you know, £50 to, you know, if you're caught, you know, not abiding by the rules. But how many people have been fined? Yeah, and the thing is can just pull anything out of your ass. You're just like, oh, I'm going to the shops and it's fine, you know? Yeah, you know. Uh, that's yeah. the thing. Like, we, yeah, this government has really half-assed it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that's yeah. the thing. Like, they don't really even seem to, you know, to care. Funnily enough, I was listening to um, uh, the London Electricity Hospital podcast the other day. I don't know if you listened to that. Um, but uh, and Tony Coleman, he likes to be a little bit political on, on his show, and that's okay. That's fine. Um, it's his platform, and uh, I, I used to think, oh no, you shouldn't be doing that. But actually, it's because uh, I don't know everything is politics. Yeah, like like drum and bass but, and jungle was born out of rebellion. It, it literally stood for, you know, um, anti-establishment. Uh, you know, well, uh, it was a rebellion against everything. This is my old department, but was it Plato or Socrates that said that if there's a new style of music, there are big social changes coming with it? Quite possibly. I mean, I think that might have been paraphrased. <laughs> I haven't quite finished my first coffee today. So, <laughs> um, so you know, but, I think you know, with with all of this. But the thing is that the thing is, there's youthful, there's youthful rebellion, and then there's being a selfish asshole. You know? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. and you know, all all of this, um, you know, these illegal raids that happen because they reckon, right? Um, you know, that that this summer the UK is just going to have illegal rave after illegal rave after illegal rave, you know, and not just the, the normal level of illegal raves. And again, not just the, you know, the 15 to 20 people who go to Holcomb Quarry for a, you know, for a piss up, you know, on a Saturday. Well, yeah, exactly. Like that. That's the thing. That, that, 
like we've all been that we all know that they're like famously grubby places yeah. <laughs> you know like, i mean holy shit do you, i mean i remember when i used to go to a club in bristol called lakota yeah and it, basically it was just like a big empty warehouse i had a place to dance a place to go smoke and a place to go throw up and nothing else yeah. and it would get so hot and packed that sweat would rise up and hit the ceiling and rain down yeah and you just come home like this thin film of grime all over you yeah. you know yeah. Or just imagine the journey that one water bottle takes around the rave, you know? Yeah, I know. Sharing it between or, your mates and, and what have you. But, yeah, yeah. Um, or did, did, you see, did you see that thing that uh, the tweet Urban uh, Welsh had? It's like when you're chopping up lines on the back of a filthy pub toilet, passing a weeping note around, be sure to like disinfect your hands in between. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that's the thing that sort of like, you know, has been, has been getting me as well. Like if people haven't been staying at, at, in, inside and, mm. you know, not social distancing, and then they go into a rave and then they're, you know, and now they're allowed back into pubs. Um, you know, and I'm not advocating that people should go and, you know, do cocaine in the toilets at pubs. Um, but, you know, I get it, it's under. <laughs> yeah, you know, people do it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I think you'll find that they sell alcohol in the uh, in the external parts of cocaine parlors. <laughs> yeah, they've <laughs> yeah. got a guy coming in to, to sanitize the, the system every 15 minutes. Pub, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They've got they've got a special uh, um, you know sanitization team that comes in every fifteen minutes to to clean up the back of the uh, assistants <laughs> in the toilets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, social distancing. Uh, <laughs> Only two to uh, a yeah, two that, cubicle. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's it's just not gonna like. Theoretically, yes, you could make it happen, but in reality, like, no fucking way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, all it takes is one person, like, oh, let's have a sip of your water, or like, have one of my chewing gums, and then the whole fucking thing falls apart. Yeah. And, like, that's the thing with that, you know, with those two raves that they had up in Manchester, there was 6,000 people that went to them. Like, 6,000 people. You can, like, yeah, I know Manchester is a massive, massive city, right? There's millions of people that live there. I don't know what the actual numbers are in terms of how many people live in Manchester. But it's got to be, you know, between five and six million, right? It's one of the largest cities in 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 the UK. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so if you consider that um, that 6,000 people have turned up, that's you can pretty much guarantee that that's representation of every square foot of Manchester. Yeah, yeah somebody's, yeah, from you, yeah, 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 you're right. Oh, man. Uh, you know... <laughs> That's the thing. I've kind of had that thing when you realise, like, oh shit, I'm the responsible adult in the room now. Like, oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, we're gonna do this dangerous thing. Surely an adult would stop us, though. We're like, oh fuck, that's me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But even then, like when we were younger, like if there was a major health like pandemic going on, we wouldn't have been oh, like, oh yeah, moment. let's go out for a rave because we really want to, like. You know, you would have thought that we'd had a little bit of sensibility. Um, about oh yeah, it. well, well, that's the thing because we grew up during foot and mouth when, yeah, when like very young, so yeah. But I mean, even then, that wasn't that was exactly you know? the same. Um, and you know, well, no, but like travel restrictions, having to dunk your feet into disinfectant to go across fields. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a difference in in scale, not kind. So we were kind of used to it by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we yeah we were taught to be responsible and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just growing up now and, you know, and you, again, you can't blame people, right? Because it's been so badly handled by the government, uh, you know, and, well, and yeah. I think that everyone was kind of, you know, just holding it together by, you know, threads, um, during mm. the, you know, the lockdown time, like the British public were finding it difficult. And I'm not saying that the British public are different than, than the Spanish or the French or the Italian or anywhere else in the world where lockdown has been implemented fully because it's hard well, except to... they have competent leadership. Pardon? Except they have competent leadership. Well, which... yeah, but that still doesn't make it any easier for people, um, you mm. know, as human beings to have to stay in that space. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what's amazing is the number of people who said, "Oh, they, you know, now, now the government have fucked it up. Whatever, I'll do it." And I've had to say to people, "Look, like, even if Boris Johnson was going around spitting into people's mouths, 
that wouldn't make it a good idea. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, that, but that's the thing, though. It's just like everyone feels that it's unfair that we have to do this. And yeah, OK, yeah, uh, it is unfair that we have to do it, but it's unfair for everybody. But the like fact that, <laughs> yeah, you know, like the fact that Dominic like, Cummings just decided that he was going to take a, you know, a 60 mile drive to test his eyesight. Um, which, oh, it's more than that. <laughs> whatever, 230 mile or whatever. You know, like everyone knows that it was just complete bullshit. And everybody knows that he, um, that the, the Tory government just sold everybody else out so that they could hold on to whatever little power that they have left. And, you know. I mean, at, at least politicians used to bother to come up with believable lies. Yeah, exactly. At least they used to try. <laughs> Like, this guy isn't even a politician. He's just like, that's how slow no, no. politicians have got. Or maybe that's how good they've gotten. This is the fact that they don't even have to be a politician. They can just palm it off on somebody else and be like, hey, well, he's not a politician. It's got nothing to do with me. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, see, the problem we're facing is public trust in government is a very, very precious natural resource that you have to husband very, very carefully. Yeah. And basically, yeah. the Tories have spent basically our entire adult lives either defunding healthcare or eroding trust in government. Turns out what we need now is a kick-ass healthcare system and for people to listen up and do what they're bloody well told. Yeah. And that that horse has bolted already, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, and that just, uh, you know, like I say, that just goes to show, um, you know, the lack of, of, of due care that people are taking because they think that it's all right for them to go and throw illegal raves that have 6,000 people turn up to them. You know, it's like every single yeah. day you're seeing, you know, parties being shut down and, and stuff like that. And you're like, well... Yeah, to be honest, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find Boris at one of them with his shirt on. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I've already had COVID, so it doesn't matter. Woo. Yeah, yeah, looking for more COVID. Uh, actually, uh, I last year I took my little portable sound system Petunia down to a Brexit protest. Yes, because uh, as yeah. we, as we all know, right wing politicians if they have a kryptonite, it's drum and bass. Yeah, exactly. They don't they don't like <laughs> drum and bass all that much. No, no, so they do not. Uh, that that was good fun, man. <laughs> but they, yeah, yeah, I actually ended up. Uh, I was playing in Downing Street at like eleven o'clock at night, and there was about a million billion cops around. Uh, all these protesters. One of them started trying to set up because this gazebo thing, and I look. Basically, the police are trying to take it off of him. He's hanging on to it for dear life like that. So I look down to do a mix. Got a little disco light in my face. While I'm looking down, the gazebo somehow gets set up directly above my head. <laughs> and as I know of it, it's a policeman taps me on the shoulder, and he goes, "This is your gazebo, sir." And I look up at it. I look back at myself. I was like, "I'll be honest with you, mate. I'm every bit as surprised by this as you are." <laughs> <laughs> What did he do? Don't, don't end it there. He, he was just he's like, he's like, mate, he's like, you better like clear up your shit and leave now because it's going to turn into like a riot. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. But uh, basically, I'm I'm pushing being like a somewhat attractive, tallish Caucasian dude as far as you possibly possibly can. <laughs> Turns out it's pretty fucking far, man. Like I, I can get away with some pretty wild stuff in this town. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that you just you touched on a. Uh... A particularly poignant subject there, haven't you? That uh, could pro perhaps be discussed for another day. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, they, like I say, they reckon that this summer is going to be um, the summer of illegal raves, like more so than, than yeah. ever happened before. Um, and I think that that um, that's kind of a, a slap in the in the face, really, for all those venues who. Who are being shut down? I know that they've recently just given a 1.5 billion um, package or something like that to venues and things like that, just to try and like keep them afloat. Yeah. I, I haven't read all too much about it, but again, I can't imagine that 1.5 billion is going to go too far. Sounds like a lot of money, but when you're up I bet a lot of it's going to so a lot of it's going to leak out and trickle into other stuff kickback slush funds, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't even know what it's for. I mean, they they said that. Um, uh you know the the music you've seen that let the the hashtag let the music play um and it's all about mm -hmm. um you know they're just saying the, they they want the government to give a definitive conditional timeline or when venues can reopen you know guidelines on what we can do and, and bits and pieces like that when artists can start playing again and, and things like that because what's happening right yeah, it's is that um it's so it's kind it's not like like a brain drain but it's kind of like a an uh, 
like a skill drain because what's happening is is that Eastern Europe um, and you know some parts of, of the rest of Europe as well are are opening back up again. Obviously, with the proviso yeah, that there's you know things like that. So let um, let it roll. Just put on the the Renegade Festival, right? So it's basically just a rave. Um, you know, and I don't know how many people could go to it, but um, Exit Festival, for example, is running uh, this year. Um, there's, you've seen that one in Malta, right? The, uh, oh, the Sun and Blaze. Uh, but the, again, that seems way too early. And, it does and the thing is, as well, early. Um, uh, I mean, a, Malta itself might be fine, but I can, you know, dollars to die that's half the people there are going to be from England. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, and like everyone's <laughs> going to flock to Malta. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how that how that's going to work, you know, and the lineup is massive, like absolutely massive, like anyone who's yeah, yeah, I gotta there. say, I'm kind of disappointed in the people playing really like, uh, I mean, I know they got to eat and everything, but you know, everyone else is out of work too right now. So yeah, I mean, I, I just, don't, um, I, mean, I just don't understand like, how it can be justified. But what we are seeing though, is, is that, you know, all of the, because of the government's bad handling of of the of the situation events you know the events and hospitality industry is way behind everybody else in europe which means that mm. all of that all of those artists are going to be going out to europe which means that mm. the uk is not going to benefit from its you know from its regular um you know artistry and hospitality um industry so, well yeah i mean to be honest again i don't think the tories really like the hospital the entertainment industry that incredibly much you know they're they're all they love shutting down nightclubs and that kind of stuff yeah to be honest they would probably take this as an excuse to um you know to turn all of these things into luxury flats yeah well i mean that's funnily enough that's what they've done with lakota isn't it oh it's, uh, yeah yeah true I, you know i did read yeah, something yeah. else about lakota though is just that what they are doing is they're opening up a new lakota venue which is like mm. Uh, a, a rooftop or open top sort of you know garden thing yeah so i mean obviously not, no. the, not the legendary lakota it's just like a big garden <laughs> now yeah that place was a shithole in all the right ways <laughs> <laughs> uh, i used to love that place but um yeah i wouldn't be surprised because the thing is like with our current government you know how some people wear that wristband what would jesus do yeah with our government, yeah. you should have one on your other wrist. What would a real bastard do? <laughs> because if you just imagine like what a completely amoral sack of shit would do, nine times out of ten, you can predict what they're going to do. Yeah. But I mean, again, like they they just and and it it kind of feels like they're they're doing it. Um, you know, delib Well, we kind of know that they are but, doing yeah. it deliberately, but you know, in terms of. Um, you know, let's go back, you know, to the political and politicization of culture. Let's go back to the, uh, you know, the element of, uh, you know, the illegal, uh, what's it called, the criminal justice bill and hmm. its implication. You know, let's say that, you know, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, like drum and bass, the industry has worked really, really hard over the past 30 years to legitimize itself and work mm. in such a way that it's okay to have raves, you know, like they're paying tax on it, you know, they, you know, these are, they're all sort of like legislated and things like that. They come under the, the, the protection of the government and all its bits and pieces by having, mm. you know, I mean, all of these illegal raves what they're going to do is they're just going to say, well, look, you know, look at all these people. These were the ones that caused, you know, uh, the second spike of COVID. These were the guys. The, that... the, 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 the thing is, you can by all means have raves, but just make sure that they aren't as bad as the scaremongering that you get in the Sun and the Daily Mail and all of that. That's the thing. Like when back in the day when it was like the 80s and they're like, oh, these wild sex and drug parties. And it was fine. But now when there's an actual pandemic on like and they can say oh these selfish ravers you know all sneezing on each other or whatever and i can't really argue yeah that's the thing you, you need to make sure that it's it's not as bad as the actual perception but they don't even have to do anything for it to be worse than the reality well 
yeah, but, but basically what I'm saying is, like, don't make me agree with the sun, because I fucking hate the sun. Yeah, I know, the world's going a bit upside down, isn't yeah. it? Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you don't want to, you don't really want to be agreeing with, with newspapers like the sun, but... Um, well, yeah, but, like, if, if the sun is able to validly criticise you, then you need to take a good long look at yourself, basically. Yeah, exactly. Um you know, so uh, th there was another thing as well that, um, that that London Electricity said on his on his podcast, right? And he was saying that you know uh, Britain has you know the second highest death rate in the world from from COVID, and mm -hmm. the it, it it was entirely preventable. But coming from the standpoint of the Tories being bastards, um, could they have just deliberately allowed the the weak and the vulnerable? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's what Yeah, just to be, you know, just to let them, let them become less of a burden on the NHS, and and in their six sort oh, of yeah. mindset, well, they're you... like, well, you know, we've done the NHS a favour because that means we don't have to put as much money into it because it doesn't need as much because it doesn't have as much. Have, have you heard of this thing? Have you heard of this thing that they got now universal credit? Yeah. That uh, replaced all the so basically the idea was supposedly to streamline benefits, but actually it makes them a lot harder to get and a lot easier for you to get fucked over out of. Uh, yeah, that's the thing you have to remember is like the Tories they they view disabled and poor people as basically like sponges, yeah, and as burdensome. Uh, that's yeah, that's the thing like. Uh, they they will happily throw these people under the bus if they think it'll save some tax money. Yeah, but they don't do anything with the tax money anyway, except, you know, funnel no, it. No, in, except funnel it up it, into, yeah, their yeah, mates, yeah. into their main <laughs> pockets, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like I say, conservative, it's not even an artful grift, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very, very obvious scam, you know? Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and again, this is what I mean with the, um, the 1.5 billion arts rescue package or something like that you know like they just you know they seem to be incredibly re reluctant to to fund all of these things until they absolutely have to and then when they do they're like well you guys are going to pay for it you know <laughs> like um, yeah it, you know instead of managing things properly in the first place it, well the thing is this is like my second uh world completely turned upside down financial crisis yeah and I'm only 32, and they're supposed to be once in a lifetime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just... The thing is, I think that we've got... Basically, all of our chickens as a Western society are all kind of coming home to roost all at once. Well, I mean... With it, like, not just with this, but like with everything, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, look, obviously, this is this is heightened, um, uh, you know, a number of challenges that we've had. Uh, in Western society, and you'd like to think that this would be an opportunity for people to reevaluate things. Um, you know, it's uh, like the. Unfortunately, it's not going to have the kind of impact that the Black Death did have. You know, in the 1300s, 50% mm. of the population of England was wiped out by the Black Death, and then another two years later, another 20% of that 50% was wiped out, and so mm. you know. Oh yeah, and then when you read about the things that people used to do to, like, I assume you know all about the flagellants yeah. who would whip themselves bloody. But then I found out that also, not only would these people whip themselves bloody, people would then get, like, cloths, take a tincture of the blood, and, like, dab it into their eyes. And it's like, holy shit. See, that's the thing I'm finding amazing about our current situation, is the number of people who are contradicting what I thought was some pretty fucking you know, grade school science that was pretty well locked down. Yeah. Like, you know, not sneezing all over fucking things, you know. I know, it's <laughs> like, where, where, like, what happened? You know, you, 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 we left school, right? And you're like, right, we've got a pretty decent understanding of, you know, basic biology and, you know, stuff like that. Stuff, you know, if you <laughs> sneeze or cough, it's likely to spread disease, right? Um, yeah. You know, where did everyone just go? Things, things we learned in the cradle. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, where, where, where did everyone just go? Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I don't need to do yeah, that exactly. anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, my my day job. I work in a in a hardware shop, sells so paint and stuff like that. 
And I'll tell you, the number of painter, decorator, epidemiologists mm. that, like, you know, if you want to know what Dave the Plasterer reckons about all this, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, well, quite. But that's the problem, is people aren't very good at recognizing when they are dangerously unqualified to hold an opinion. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if you came into my shop and you wanted to know how what kind of paint would go onto what kind of surface or how far it will spread, I'm absolutely all over that. If you came in and you're like, I think this mold has changed shape, I would go, you need to go to the fucking doctor <laughs> right now because I'm just some guy and my opinion is therefore worthless. Yeah, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Um, That's the thing, like, pe people aren't very good at rape. And the thing is, have you heard of the Dunning-Kroger effect? Mm. So uh, the, the, more, the more a person knows about a subject, the less confident they are in their knowledge. Right. Okay. So some, someone who knows enough to know what they don't know, whereas someone with like a sophomoric understanding of something will absolutely just confidently bullshit their way through something. Yeah, yeah. And the, thing is, and the thing is, we like leaders who come across as confident, but that usually means that they don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that seems to be the case, or just blindly uh, ignoring uh, all sort of decent medical advice for those sorts of things. So, I mean, what's it like where uh, where you are in in London at the moment? Like, is, you, did did you see a lot of people out and on the streets? And and do you think that there's um, going to be an impact on the um, you know I on mean, the it's... rage scene, as it were? Do you think that there's going to be more of these happening locally? Uh, well, it's been it's been kind of half and half actually. They're making people wear face masks on public transport now. They've got like hand sanitizer gel mm. basically at all the stations now. Um, I mean, the tube has, has been relatively quiet. I think it's still like busy, but it's compared to what it ought to be, it's still pretty quiet. Mm. Um, uh, to be honest, that's the main thing is just I think it's starting to turn people a bit peculiar. Uh, like, I saw, uh, I was on the DLR uh, a train the other day. And I saw a man having what looked to be a very animated argument with his own reflection. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the thing. I think this is, I mean, I, I think about my, my niece and nephew and my neighbor's kids, because this is going to be like a generation defining event. Yeah, absolutely. But this is probably going to be the first clear thing. A lot of these children remember. In fact, one thing I'm finding interesting is um, having a is seeing a, a world catastrophic event from an adult's point of view this time. Because mm. you know, in 2001, we would have been I was 13. Yeah, and I'm 32, so it's very interesting to have a different perspective now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, even even then, we didn't really understand. It was just something that was going on, and a few signs popped up here and there. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. You know, and you had to, you know, get your car sterilised as you, as you drove through into certain areas, and you know, walking through puddles of, of sterilisation on your boots. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I think I think that this is obviously uh, a very very different one. Uh, what uh, have you seen? All of those, like, or I say, all of those. But there's there's been a few like drive-in raves. There's been you know socially distanced raves. Apparently in Nottingham they're setting up the first socially distanced festival. Um, mm. You know where they're just you know basically spray painting circles on the ground and they're saying like that's where you can stand and stuff. I mean, uh, how how on earth are they how are they going to regulate that? Like, <laughs> yeah, that is a thing. Like it, it's a nice idea, but all it takes is for one person to get too fucked up and forget about it. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. I mean, working in retail, it's hard enough to get people to follow the rules as is. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the number of people we have, we have like ramp outside that we get people to queue on, got all signs up, and the number of people who just like, <laughs> and they jump in, and they're like, oh, you have to wait outside. Like, oh, really? Like, yes, really. <laughs> you know, like every other shop in the universe is making you do this right now. Come on, guys. I, I, I sometimes feel that um, uh, that the British public are incredibly entitled and it's, you know, that, um, you know, this doesn't apply to me. 
even though like everybody else in the country is having to do it, this doesn't apply to me because I'm British and yeah. therefore I can do whatever the hell I like. Um, mm. Yeah, that's in the Americans. That's kind of our disease, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, like, I just don't understand how people are able to like justify going away. Like, again, you've seen a few people going away on Lance holidays to Tenerife and, you know, they, they said apparently Ibiza is saying that um, <clears throat> that it is going As to if be anyone open. came back from Tenerife healthier than they left. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's a good point. It's a very good point. <laughs> you know, but they said that, um, you know, Ibiza is going to be open, but the clubs might be shut. Well, what's the point in going, <laughs> well, what's what's the point you going to do? <laughs> going to Ibiza? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, and again, like with all these these raves, like in Malta and stuff like that, um, you know, I, I just don't like you. You saw what it was like the first year that we went to Let It Roll. Right. Yeah. And it was just like fucking carnage, carnage, like absolute carnage. <laughs> and we were staying in tents. Like Mad Max with a more upbeat soundtrack, basically. Yeah. You know, and we were staying in tents like and obviously at a drum and bass festival that goes on until like six or seven o'clock in the morning. There is absolutely no way that you can get anybody to socially distance in any way, shape or form. No, there's no fucking way. <laughs> you know, and I just don't understand. And, and I get it. Like, I really understand, you know, all of these festivals have just been shut down over the summer. Like Glastonbury obviously shut down, like all, all the UK festivals shut down. Tomorrowland was shut down. Um, uh, yeah, Let It Roll I mean, was shut down. Exit Festival, even though it is running, has to run at 90% reduced capacity. I mean, they have like 10 people there. Like, what's the point out there? Yeah? Exactly. Like, I mean, the thing, the thing is, though, the thing is, the rave scene built itself up from nothing the first time around. So you can very easily do it again, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it, I mean, not going to be, you know, maybe this is, you know, the, the, the beautiful thing about the rave scene, right? Is this that it evolved from literally, you know, two to three people just like putting on loud music and putting yeah, on flashing like, lights in I someone's mean, basement. I mean, it takes a lot from the punk aesthetic of, you know, if you don't like the music that you're hearing, pick up a guitar and slam it in three chords yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's going to take a hit, definitely. We might not have the huge, like, lasers and fireworks and all of that, but even if it is just one guy and a speaker and a fucking light bulb, flashed it on and off, we can build it up again, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think that's the, that's the beauty of it, is just that because, because of the nature of what it is, like, you don't need to, ha like, you don't need to have huge venues to do it because it's not, it's not about the huge sort of, you know, events and things like that. And, you know, again, don't get me wrong, like, festivals like Let It Roll, uh, you know, there's a lot of money that goes into that. You know, the main stage that they put up, all the artists that they get there, you know, it is massive and it is good fun. But you and I both know that we can have just as much fun at a rave anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, with DJ, never heard of him, but he's good. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, like it's, I like, I'm thinking it's kind of like, you know, when you have a forest fire mm. and then all of the sea pods burst. And yeah, some of the big trees got taken down, but it's opened up a lot of sky and sunlight and it provides like a fertile, fertile new place for things to grow. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that there's, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know, I think everyone's like paralyzed a little bit because, they, you know, obviously they weren't able to go out and, and stuff like that. And people were looking at, at new experiences and things. I mean, again, at the end of the day, you're never going to beat the, the experience of actually being at a rave. You know, you can no. turn your system up as loud as you want in your own house, but it's not quite the same mm. as, you know, being out in a field in the middle of, you know, wherever, uh, mm. you know, seeing it all happen, being there. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I just don't know. I mean, we might just be at the limit of human capability in terms of what we can do for, um, uh, you know, that, that sort of experience at the end of the day. You know, well, yeah, you can put on headphones and go put on a VR headset, but you can't have the bass like pumping you in the in the chest. Yeah, exactly. You know, so yeah. I, you know I think we, you know, we're just going to have to ride it out. And unfortunately, as much as it sucks, and as much as we all want to go to these illegal raves, 
um, it, you know, it's just not really worth it at the end of the day. Well, yeah, exactly. You just have to wait until it's like, all over, and then and then we can actually go back to doing it. And and that's the thing. Like, no one's going to mind paying fifteen quid to go to Fabric. You know, well, it's probably well, yeah, more than that, but. And actually, also, uh, one thing that I thought was very heartening, uh, apparently the Pioneer DDJ400 is completely sold out. Oh, yeah? So there's a lot of people at home learning how to mix as we speak. Well, funnily enough, I was speaking to um, to Rob Jones from ProducerTech.com. Um, mm. I don't know if you've uh, if you've ever had a look at uh, ProducerTech.com, but he's, you know, it's obviously about, you know, producing and, you know, music theory and mixing and mastering and DJing and, and stuff like that, right? Mm. And he said that um, during lockdown, um, they had something like a, a thousand percent increase in membership signups. <laughs> Half of those people aren't going to do anything with it, but the few that do, like I say, like there, there's a new star being born right now. Yeah. And yeah, <laughs> just, just wait. But, well, that's the thing. I mean, like, you know, you look at, um, you go through, you know, Instagram and you see all these, you know, DJs and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, obviously it takes a lot longer than three months to learn how to do it and to be good at it. But, mm. you know, if you've been doing it like three months solid, if you've been producing music for three months solid, you know, that's a pretty decent grounding for you that will enable you to, to move things along, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, basically the, the way you get good at things is you start doing them and you don't stop until you don't suck anymore, basically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the whole 10,000 hour thing, isn't it? I mean, um, 10,000 hours is roughly about eight years, I think, because obviously you can't do... 24 hours a day for for an entire year um yeah you might want to <laughs> might get a little bit bored um but uh you know so i think that the, look, the i think the rave scene is is going to stay as it was i think it, if i'm honest it's going to take a hammering um especially in the news and the media because there are going to be so many especially if the uk has a decent summer People are going to want to be yeah. out. People are going to be wanting to, you know, to put these things on. And, you know, the, the UK is... Um, uh, Genie's already out of the bottle, so... Yeah, exactly. You know, like... Uh, I don't know, man. Like, just the the second... It, it's not even like there was time for this... Uh, for the first wave to go away. You know, like, there's the first wave and it goes away. And then, it, you know, that's typically how it works, mm. right? So the first wave comes and then it goes away. And everyone's like, hooray! And then they go out into the streets and celebrate, and whoop, there it is again. Hmm. There's the second wave. Yeah. Um, you know, this is just you know the the building of the um, of the of the first wave. You know, the first wave is here and it's gone down a little bit, or did it go down? We don't know because the government won't tell us any actual figures, and they've lied oh. about how many people have actually died and who's got it and this, that, and the other. And so it's just going to be like you know a, a massive spike uh, once again. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's just, it's just like a sense of numbing inevitability. Yeah, you know it's coming. It's but, coming. Yeah. It, it, uh, I feel like uh, was it Cassandra from the from, from the the Iliad? Mm -hmm. You know, just like come on, boys, that fucking wooden horse is clearly chock full of Greek guys. Yeah. Like, oh, whatever. They're like, come on, man, it's dripping super lucky. You're like, wow, yeah. you're so full of shit. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just like we can all see this coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but and, and that's the thing is, is that everyone's going to be like, you know, uh, annoyed and angry that the. I mean, the thing, the thing, the thing is, I would say that it's like high school science. But even if you had just skived off of school and gone to see a bunch of movies, you know, if you've seen like one disaster movie, we all know how this goes. You know the. You know, the, like, oh, that meteor's fine, don't worry about it, and like, fuck off, scientist, and then boom. Just like, we, we've all seen this movie before. Yeah, we all and, know and that's the thing, like, it's all sensationalized, so even though it wouldn't quite be as nuts as that, like, go and watch a zombie movie. Like, you know, take your cue from zombie movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> exactly, like, yeah. It's, honestly, it's as if Jules had never been written, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Is it, yeah, it's mind-bogglingly um, stupid uh, of, of what's happening. Um, yeah, we might we might just have to take a brief recess just to huff and puff. Like, <laughs> 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 
Yeah, excuse us, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. I mean, I just and again, I just don't know how how a lot of these venues are going to to survive. And I I actually think that there is going to be a renaissance of illegal raves because people there's not going to be anything else there, well a there's not going to be anything else and b the venues won't be able to open again you know mm. uh, and you know that one 1.5 billion bailout or whatever it is again i'll have to read up and find out a little bit more about it um you know that 1.5 billion bailout is you know primarily as far as i'm aware and concerned is aimed at venues like the royal albert hall theaters uh. you know um you know um opera houses stuff like that okay mm. so there's nothing as far as i'm aware being offered to small music venues live music venues mm. so what are these guys going to do well that to be fair i've never called up a phone number on a flyer listen to a wasted guy <laughs> describing directions driven around with our head out the window looking for lasers and they got there and it's like the royal symphony orchestra <laughs> you know? to be fair that shit does cost a lot of money so yeah of but, course but you know no, book, book an andy c is one thing but then like booking 50 of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know what i mean though like the you know yeah yeah, yeah. You know, yeah i know it does smack of elitism like, you know they're like oh yes you know we can but that's the thing like a lot of these places you know, and I'm not trying to be funny, a lot of these places probably run pretty close to the wire at the best of times, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 like, the, you know, that old joke. It's actually about restaurants, but I think it could equally apply to nightclubs. Yeah. The way to become a millionaire is to be a billionaire and then open a restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, uh, you know, the, these, um, these venues, I, I just don't see them you know, and again, like, I mean, I, I've worked in clubs, I've worked in bars, I've worked in restaurants. Um, I know how these things work, right? You know, generally, they, 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 you know, they can make profit. And some, you know, very, very few of these restaurants make profit, you know, like even, you know, um, Gordon Ramsay and Jamie Oliver and, you know, celebrity chefs, they open up their restaurants, and then within six months, they shut down again. Mm -hmm. You know, and they'll, you know, they'll get the concept going through and, you know, they'll probably make a little bit of money. And then once that mm. starts to dip, they shut it down because they know that it will start to operate at a loss. So, mm. you know. Well, yeah, you, you see it all the time where you have a takeaway that's amazing and cheap and then suddenly they just disappear. Yeah. Because they didn't set their margin high enough and then... You know, they would either have to cut on a quality or put the prices up, and that just suddenly sends them into a death spiral. Yeah, exactly. You know, so all of these, um, you know, these venues, and like I say, even the big ones. You know, and again, I I don't pretend to know anything about, um, you know, the the financials for places like Fabric or you know Printworks or things like that. But well, the thing the thing is, I'd, I'd imagine that a big venue is more profitable when it's profitable but then when it's not it's suddenly a much much bigger millstone around your neck well yeah i mean that, that's the thing like you've still got to pay the rent on the land you know even if you're not um if you've not got massive overheads and stuff like that um mm. you know you, there's there's all these things that you that you have to pay for and it, it, like i say it's, it's a bit of a um you know a vicious cycle because these these, these venues um don't often have all the money that they need to. And so, you know, we'll do whatever they can, get sponsors in to, to run events so they can book a big name artist. Um, mm. And then, you know, they, they make a little bit of money out of it, but they, you know, the, the, the venue itself is running pretty close to the wire. And so they need that money to set up the next event. But if they can't set up the event, yeah. then that money sort of dissipates and it's gone. So they can't set up an event because they haven't got any money, so they can't reopen. So all that there mm. is going to be is illegal raves. And that sort of puts us back into that yeah. sort of, you know, spiral again of, uh, you know, uh, the free party system and being chased all around the country by the police. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which I will admit was kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, like when we were growing up, at least, I'm not sure how, I mean, maybe it's different outside of Somerset, but where we were, the police, they would generally show up and just kind of hang around outside the edge. Yeah. Just, just to remind you that you're like, yeah, have fun, but there is still such a thing as the law, so, you know, don't go, like, totally Again, fucking it's different, all wild. It's different where we were, though, because, um, uh, A, the police, you know, couldn't really be bothered to go and break up 20 people with a small sound system in the middle mm. of the forest or the quarry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, it was just not um, worth their time. And also, everyone knows each other down there, so... Yeah. Very likely like, that, you know, I, at some point you'd bump into the same people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, when I think about going to Lakota, trying to have a club like that in London, yeah, <laughs> you know, like that, packed, I, I just I can't really see it working that way. Well, I mean, they, they, they um, you know, in the tobacco dock and print works, I mean, I don't know if, if that's actually how it is in, in print works. I've never been there, but... Um, you know, you, you see the videos, and it, and it does look pretty Ramo in print works. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but, um, like, I've heard some pretty wild stories about the raves in London, like police helicopters showing up and all sorts of wild shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, it, it, did you see that Vice documentary about um, about illegal raves? I'm pretty sure I did with the kid with, like, the white hockey mask thing on. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure about that, man. Uh, I can't, I can't remember, he might have been there, but yeah, like the, you know, the illegal rage scene. But, and again, like the thing is, right, is this was done obviously a few years ago now. And <laughs> they were, uh, you know, they, they were basically saying like the, the raves in London, like they were basically using squatters rights and stuff to, um, you know, to, to claim the venue as it were. So the police would turn up and they'd be like, yeah, like everyone shut up whilst we go out and speak to them. And it was just like, yeah, these are the squatters' rights. Like, you can't come yeah. in. We're not doing anything illegal. And the police would be like, yeah, yeah, we know you are, but we can't oh. do anything about it. It's literally, the, yeah. you know, like that comedy skit where, uh, or, you know, the classic comedy skit where there's loads of people in the house party going off and, you know, and everyone's like, shh, shh, get down, get down, get down, get down. Like, Shut up. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's always kind of like this whole nudge and wink element. Like, I remember one thing they used to do a lot when we were growing up, probably still do, is you would have a party on some National Trust woodland. Yeah. And because the National Trust are a private landowner, even though never in a million billion years would they do this, theoretically they might have given you permission to have the party. Yeah. So they used to have to call them up, uh, and they would be, because it was the weekend, there was no one there. So all weekend they'd be calling up the National Trust switchboard until nine o'clock Monday morning, and they were like, of course we didn't fucking let them do that. What are you insane? By which time everyone's gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they, you know, it, it, uh, in the Vice documentary, they were like, the raves, you know, they were just like, you know, sometimes the music was good. You had no idea what you were turning up for, you know. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the raves that we went to, it was all just jungle and drum and bass. Yeah, you know, in fact, you know, I remember I remember the very first time that, that you you played me some some dubstep records. And I mean, like original, original dubstep. Yeah, yeah like the 2005 style. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, what is this, man? Um, because yeah, yeah. it was just so we, we didn't listen to anything else. There was nothing else around. People didn't do anything but jungle and drum and bass back then. Yeah, well, I mean, we. I remember they released Pure Garage One and Two, and I don't even think they bothered to release Number Three down, are they? No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I, no, that was very much just the fad that happened one summer. Well, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Well, again, that's a that's another thing. Is uh, um, it's another conversation for another day in regards to how jungle and drum and bass has managed to maintain its freshness. Um, and you know, constantly reinvent itself over the over the years because you know um, uh, dubstep has died a death. Um, the uh, you know garage has obviously died a death as well. Um, yeah, I mean it's still there. It's just like not. I mean one one thing I will say about drum and bass is compare if you listen to like say a trance song from the nineties. It, it just sounds kind of silly now. Yeah. Like, if you listen to something like, say, I don't know, Castles in the Sky by Ian Van Dahl or Sandstorm, 
I mean, like, solid tracks, but, like, they just sound kind of silly now. Like, I think drum and bass has evolved, but it stayed true enough to its kind of core. Yeah. But even though you'd have to push the pitch shifters pretty hard, you could totally mix in a track from 1992 and it would hold up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, you know, if you, if you go back to, to some of those, you know, the um, uh, some of the, the EQing and mastering is pretty ropey. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you, know, the, you know, the Amen breaks sound a bit loosey-goosey, to say the least, and it, you know, does... Mm. You know, you can tell that there's yeah, a big latency a gap between when someone's pressed the button on the on the keyboard and when it's been registered in the, yeah. uh, uh, you know, in the in the uh, in the door. But uh, I mean, yeah, some of the stuff does sound pretty rough, but then <laughs> again, that's basically all music back then. Yeah, yeah, but, but that's the thing. Is it, it stood the test of time, you know? Like it's been able to, um, it's been able to uh, to continue on and carry through, you know. Um, hmm. But like I say, I just think that the, the, you know, this summer at least, I mean, I, I bet, right, uh, and this might be a little something that we could do, is, um, you know, over the summer period, just going through the police reports for illegal raids that have been shut down over the country and <laughs> see how many there actually are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, uh, hang on a minute, let me find... We absolutely, absolutely need to have this as our jingle. <laughs> yeah, we can have that as like the uh, the amen breaks illegal rage report <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the illegal rave roundup <laughs> could you imagine could you imagine if we were actually doing like um you know that that, that guy that went around like reviewing the chicken shop uh, the chicken shop. Oh, the uh, Angus Martin. Okay, yeah. yeah. You can imagine if we were <laughs> going to all the illegal raves around the country and doing rave reports on them. Uh, that would be a good laugh, but uh, not right now. That's <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the way it would only ever really be good now because there's going to be so many of them, but you have to turn up in a hazmat suit and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, we're doing it's... a report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I think we'd have a hard time interviewing people because they would just find their outfit so distracting. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, it'd be a good laugh though, I reckon. But yeah, we should definitely see what the volume of, uh, of illegal raids are that, that happened this year in terms of those yeah. that get shut down. I mean, obviously you don't know how many illegal raids there are because <laughs> they're illegal. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm hoping that I'm going to be wrong, but I know damn well it's going to be a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I mean... Uh, but but also like there's you know there's no real other option for people you know they're not being forced to stay home and they are allowed and, to go out. To be to be honest as well, there's like young people just do risky things. Like yeah, I mean when I th I mean when I was we used to like do freehand rock climbing up like cliff faces and quarries and stuff. Yeah, and if you think that I was willing to tangle with actual tangible danger like that yeah exactly when it's something when it's something this abstract you know yeah yeah. i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's been a lot of people that have been affected but it's still enough that it's possible that you wouldn't know anyone who was personally affected yeah yeah no i agree 100 percent. so um yeah i mean i i think that there will be a obviously look it's a it's a foregone conclusion there's going to be you know an increase in covid cases um and that's going to be directly correlatable to the volume of illegal raves that that happen mm. um, this year, you know. And it's not just illegal raves for sure, because you know people are allowed to go to pubs, and they, you know, mm. they seem to be doing the, you know, a good enough job by themselves. Um, yeah, yeah, my friends are and so like they've got all perspex around everything, and uh, you know, doing like a one-way system. Yeah. But again, yeah, like, but, you, yeah. know, you saw what it was like when they first opened up. That didn't stop people from being outside on the street. It was like a festival. Mm. You know, um, it's not mandatory to wear masks um, outside in the UK. And people seem to have some sort of aversion to being told that if you co if you wear a mask, that, you know, you dramatically reduce the risk of spreading and catching, uh, you know, a disease. Yeah, I know. It's just like... And and yeah, just the amount of ridiculous lawyering I've heard about it. Mm. Uh, 
It's just like, what could possibly, possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, so it, it, like I say, I, th- I, th- I really do think the future of of the rage scene is going to be forced back underground because the, you know the government is not going to open up the um, the clubs mm. anytime soon. Yeah, and if I could see a government coming down heavy-handed, then it would be this one. Yeah. I mean, the thing is that they're going to have that on top of sort of general civil unrest anyway. Yeah. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of people just, like, jogging on the spot, waiting to get out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that's what I mean. Like, you know, it's going to go full cycle again. You know, when you look at the, um, uh, the rave... Uh, you know, rave protests that they had back in the early 90s you know mm. it's going to be the same sort of thing the police are going to incite violence um, and you know it's all going to be uh, you know portrayed as look at those violent drug crazed ravers you know yeah bashing up our good hard honest um, working yeah the boys people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you saw the video when the woman rode a police horse and she like rode a horse into a stop sign. Yeah, and they were trying to claim like, oh, they dragged her down from the horse, and she, they actually like, immediately saw that happen, and everyone ran to try to help her. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, but I think this is the decade that we fundamentally changed our relationship with the truth. Yeah, I, th- I think so, and I think the way that um, you know, in terms of uh, uh, political side of things, I think that people are going to vote. You'd like to think that people would vote with their feet, quite literally. And, mm. you know, given the fact that apparently it turns out that Britain is way more racist than um, than the rest of the world gives it credit for. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, the whole Brexit, the, the Brexit vote thing. Everyone was like, oh, you know, like the strongholds of Labour in the north voted Conservative because they wanted to kick Johnny Foreigner out of the country, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Whenever they start blaming Johnny Foreigner, there's usually a pretty big scam going on. Yeah. Upstairs. You know, so you'd like to think that people would fundamentally change their, their, their major opinions. But it turns out, apparently, all the British public want to do is go and get pissed in the pub. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it drives me crazy because, like, you, you know who famously has a lot of clout and can, like, pull the strings? It's fucking like starving refugees. Yeah. <laughs> Just like those famously powerful disenfranchised people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those people who have literally not eaten in weeks and risk their lives on a banana boat across the Mediterranean because they're. Well, yeah, they're, they're the ones who are fucking you over. Exactly. Yeah. Those are the guys that are coming in and stealing the jobs that you clearly didn't want to take, even when there were jobs being offered to you, as exactly what yeah. happened, you know, this year. But. Again, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I would never grudge a human being trying to make a better life for themselves. And unless I have 500 million and one pounds, I'm closer to being one of those refugees on a boat than I am to being a billionaire. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, it's basically my, my thing is I want every single human, like every single human being you've ever met as a potential genius. Mm. And it absolutely boils my beans the amount of genius that we pissed up the wall as a species. And, you know, if, if some people need some extra support to become the best person that they can be, so be it. You know, some people will take a wash on, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And that's the thing, because I think true innovation is only made by people whose basic needs are met. Mm. And, you know, um, like the guys at NASA, they're not going out on their lunch break hunting around for nuts and berries and stuff like that. And, you know, a guy who knows where his next 10 meals are going to come from probably isn't going to try to steal your wallet. Yeah. That's the thing. The current, the current political philosophy, it will basically end up with a few mansions on Skid Row. Yeah. And, I mean, going back to healthcare, like, it's like you could have the best private doctors in the entire world, but if everyone around you is crumbling with disease, then you will inevitably get sick. Yeah. Doesn't matter, does it? Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. Just like there's so much short-sighted. I. It's like how a lot of businesses they all use the pie chart, and they think about it in terms of slices from a pie. 
when in reality each of those pies is actually a slice from a Swiss roll going off into like another third diamond and we're not thinking about the log to come you know we're just yeah. thinking about the slices now yeah the slice that we have now no i agree um, yeah yeah it's just i mean really what what we need because you, you know when um when a roman general would have a triumph yeah and they, they cart him around all town cheering but then they would have one person just whispering in his ear you are but a man you're you're just a mortal and that's what i think is what we need is just someone someone sitting in parliament just to go like yeah but then what would happen just like yeah we, let's reopen the pubs like yeah but then what would happen like oh yeah a lot of people get sick and die like yes thank you <laughs> yeah i know it's and just infuriating i agree anyway um we have uh, come to the end of the hour today um i think there was a mm -hmm. healthy balance of um politicism um, and I believe that you know drum and bass is political in its own mm -hmm. uh, in its own right, and um, uh, a healthy dose of um, talking about illegal raves, drum and bass, jungle, and uh, and everything yeah, in between. Yeah. yeah, I think we covered all the bases. Cool. Well, uh, yeah. Th uh, thank you very much for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming on uh, on the show, and um, obviously we will be talking again very soon. Um, mm -hmm. And um, if you haven't checked out any of uh, DJ Maiko's stuff, you can go and see him on Instagram at DJ Maiko. You can also see him on the uh, Amen Breaks um, Instagram page where he has been uh, out and about around London in our, in our stories. Um, hopefully soon um, we will have an upgraded version of our um, out and about system. And um, some more interesting. Yeah, as soon as we can go outside, <laughs> yeah. As soon as we as soon as we're allowed outside properly, yeah, that'll be future improvement. <laughs> yeah, then then we'll be able to set that up. Um, but thanks uh, once again for joining us, and uh, I hope to see you all again next week. It's been a pleasure. We really hope you enjoyed this show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Amen Breaks UK. And don't forget to follow Diligent Fingers on Instagram at Diligent Fingers. Please, guys, if you've got anything you want to share with us, anything that you'd like us to cover, send it in to contact at amenbreaks.co.uk. Okay.